Hey, what is up? Thanks for listening to Work Stuff. This time I caught up with a good friend and former coworker of mine, Preston Rodman. He's a sales rep that works with large enterprises, and we know each other after working on the same sales team several years ago. He holds a special place in my own career journey because the first close one deal that I sourced as an SDR was closed by him way back in 2017. I remember thanking him for closing the deal like a total newbie, and I'll never forget what he said after that. He said he should be the one thanking me for setting up the meeting, making sure that it was put in a good position to work the deal. And I always love chatting with him about work, and this time is no different. We talk about his initial career aspirations of being a dentist and how his time in college was a bit bumpy. And we go through his progression in sales at these different startups. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Work Stuff. Can you see my screen? No, I don't think so, because it's just for listening. I'm the guy who brings up work stuff at parties. My name is Andy, and I want you to join me. Work Stuff, a podcast. Work Stuff, professional stories casually told. All right, I'll leave the meeting now. It said leave meeting. I'm going to leave it. I don't consent to be recorded. Oh, asking if you want to bail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for the person who sees that. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah. not. <laughs> absolutely not. I do not consent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So, we talking about uh, Preston's life today? Is that the deal? Yeah, dude. I want to hear all about it. All right. Tell me what you do now. Just to, just give me a little, give me your title and give me uh, whatever you want to share, I guess. I don't know if you want to share everything. but I'd love to share everything. Uh, share unfortunately, everything. I can't share everything. Yeah. Because of the nature of the business that I work in, but my title is large enterprise account executive for the finance practice. We are a research and advisory firm helping executives and their teams Mm -hmm. make smarter decisions faster through our unbiased research and tools to help them better understand where to invest their money and how to operate their finance departments in the most effective way. That's the, that's the spiel. I mean, that's like what it is. I That's... have I have so much trust in you now. I believe everything you say now. <laughs> no, no. It's uh I mean it is really interesting. Yeah, I love I think so. what I, I love what I'm doing. It's I you know Silicon Valley bank stuff like yeah sure it's like whatever's going on in the world. War in Ukraine. Uh you know big stuff. Big inflation. Picture. Yeah, big it's all big picture kind of it's consulting on retainer it's always like people process technology that's always the conversation but like what does our finance department look like in five to seven years not like what does it look like at the end of this year Mm -hmm. uh looking a lot at forecasting and fpna tooling you know budgeting software budgeting's huge right now and like i couldn't recommend if to any of those people out there listening zero-based budgeting do -hmm. it if you're not basically make Explain, explain that like I'm like, I don't know what that means. Zero-based budgeting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Zero-based budgeting is essentially you start your year out with zero budget and every purchase that you're going to make, even if you have a, rec- a recurring obligation on a contract, like a multi-year contract with a vendor, you have to justify why you're purchasing that product or service to get the budget. So it start, you start from zero gotcha. and you basically have to explain and get the budget allocated Right. earn each dollar instead of coming in with like, well, I spent 10 million last year. That was my budget. And I'd like to spend 12 million this year. So I'd like a $2 million budget increase. And this is what I'm going to spend that 2 million on. And you justify that you justify all 12 million. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you 
had purchased this system two years ago and you haven't touched it and it's going out for renewal, you're going to renew it because you've already spent that budget, which is what our governments do. Mm -hmm. That's why government budgeting is just a whole nightmare. Yeah. But anyway, I like people should do that and then do a quarterly evaluation, not just annual zero-based budgeting. Like, Mm. okay, you, you wanted this much budget for the quarter. You didn't spend all that money. Good job. But now we're going to reallocate that extra budget dollars to a different department with a different project that we want to fund. It's super interesting. But yeah, I'm loving yeah, my I job. Mean, the finance team or accounting and accounting team, they just, they read a different language that, you know, like no one else in the company can even understand yeah. or be in to understand. And I know like there's some debate going on about like accountants go to school for four to five years to be accountants, like, but do they really need to do that? The reality is, is they have gone to school for four to five years and then they probably went and worked in you know, public accounting in some degree, right? Like an audit or something like that. And so like they've yeah. been through the process, they know the methodologies. And then, you know, we used to refer to them as bean counters, but mm-hmm. like those bean counters have a lot of rules and regulations and it's really like cut and dry in terms of like, these are the rules. Silicon Valley Bank didn't do a good job of it. They miscounted their beans and <laughs> and now they're in their situation now they've lost a lot of beans and they lost a, lot, a lot of, of beans. other people yeah, yeah yeah they spilled the beans they spilled the beans <laughs> oh no uh but yeah so that's been awesome loved my love my job but anyway dude let's, so let's there's the answer there's there's the answer to your question of do a good I, answer what do i like for my job i mean there's a lot of things that i like about my job dude so how in the world do you end up in this position because <laughs> Like, I can't imagine you, you didn't study finance, you know, like, um, what did you study? What were you looking to do when you were in school then? Oh, okay. You want to take it? Let's take it way back. Take it way back. You want to take it way back? I just want to know, because I like knowing, like, as a child, what was the, like, the path that you had in front of you? And then, like, look how different that path is now. Yeah. So I came out of my mother's womb. (laughs) Got that part. Got that part done. No, uh, growing up, my mom the irony of that statement because my mom always told me you're either going to be a cfo or a sales rep and i was like what i definitely i was like what are the like i don't want to be a sleazy car salesman like you know like the classic image of a sales rep and i was like that's not me and then i was like yeah cfo like i'm not an introvert because like Mm. we're talking in the 90s like early 2000s like strategic strategic finance wasn't a thing until like mid to late 2000s like really the 2008 crisis right i guess so like no strategic finance yeah i mean up until then it wasn't like people weren't really leaning on a cfo to tell the business what to do they were leaning on the ceo and like different business Mm -hmm. units Mm -hmm. to like give direction and the cfo would just give the reports to the board of how they did it was like a past looking organization not a forward looking organization Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and over the last 10 to 12 years that has totally flipped on its head where now it's like oh cfo tell us what to do and it really begs the question like what is the ceo doing these days just number one salesman right right yeah i don't at at some at some stages of a company yeah for sure like I mean, even at a startup, they're they're the first salesperson, right? Even yeah. if they have a technical yeah. background, you know. Yeah, I guess yeah, they're the salesman. They're not looking at data and giving recommendations on where the business should go. And ultimately, the CFO is not do, not actually telling the business what to do. They're showing the data to back up specific yeah. actions, right? Um. Anyway, so I taking it way back. Uh, my mom told me I was going to be a CFO or a, a salesman, and then when I was a junior in high school. 
getting recruited for water polo, I wanted to be uh, a dentist of all things. I really wanted to be yeah. a dentist. Yeah. Um, love teeth, huh? I love, I love it about the teeth. Like I really <laughs> do not, even though I've got a great grill myself. I got to show you my teeth with Invisalign lately. I know. I, was, I actually moving. noticed it. I noticed moving. on this, I was like, dude, your teeth are looking really straight. Yeah, they are. No, it's, they're like, moving like crazy. Yeah. It's, nuts. it's like children growing up. Whoa. Yeah. They grew up so fast. Also true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So I wanted to be a dentist because I wanted the prestige of being a doctor, basically. Is, yeah. But I didn't want to have to do all the work to be an MD and like have the risks of misdiagnosing someone yeah, so like it, yeah i was like yeah. dentist that sounds pretty good like you know i can't really mess that up right like teeth are not mm -hmm. gonna change you're not gonna see like an evolution in chemistry of the teeth you know like yeah we're not gonna see a new virus of teeth you know like maybe <laughs> I, I don't know but i mean like <laughs> you know there's new diseases being caught all the time and like i identified and diagnosed by medical professionals and there's so many that like how's a general practitioner that job always blew my mind like, i was like yeah right you just you hear like every problem and then you try to bucket them into specialists and then refer them to a specialist yeah like you know actually know like this this i mean you know some of the solutions but like it's a catch-all role yeah but You're like a filter they're a filter correct yeah they're a triage <laughs> yeah they're a yeah. triage yeah um so anyway, like I look at it and I'm like, well, you know, dentist, that sounds good. Then I can make that like, look at the income of a dentist and the lifestyle and all of that. Right. And I was like, cool. That sounds like a great job. What I didn't know is that you still had to know a lot of chemistry and math to do it. Mm -hmm. And I was good at math, was not great at chemistry, but I was like good at my grade level math, but I wasn't at like advanced calculus in high school right like it just is what it is and chemistry yeah. i was like a b student i wasn't like excelling in chemistry either long story short makes sense i go uh, you need that yeah i go to berkeley play i got in for water polo and like really my mindset wasn't i wasn't thinking about my career when i was 17 i was just mm -hmm. thinking like cool that sounds nice i'd like to be a dentist yeah, what That's so what, what what has to happen for that? I went to Berkeley for water polo because yeah. it was one of the top programs. Okay. They wanted me, I went. And thank your deity of choice for that because Berkeley is a very progressive school with a great mindset. You know? And I was like, oh, I'll take these classes that my guidance counselor thought I should take if that's what I wanted to be a dentist. And you know, my dad helped me choose classes. And I just, in like three quarters of the way through the first semester, I was failing. I was like, <laughs> uh -oh. yeah. And I was pledging a fraternity and playing water polo. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is well, a big change. I bet that's yeah. a, like yeah. a really common thing, you know, like first quarter into college, yeah. it's just the life change yeah. and all a lot the of people balancing. just drop out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't do this. And then they drop out. Like as yeah. an 18 year old, like that's a lot of. And you're away from your parents, you're away from your support structure, yeah. you're just like out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I and I was like, oh, I didn't realize that you could drop classes okay. also. And so like I and there's a ad drop deadline. And yeah. I missed that. I got a notification, it's closed. 
no longer allowed to drop classes. And I was like, I was allowed to drop classes. I would have dropped like these classes. (laughs) I was, I was like, Oh man, I would already accepted. I was going to fail that anyway. So I went and uh, ended up on, you know, the Dean's naughty list, not like the Dean list on a good way, like (laughs) the the other way, Uh, academic probation, I believe is what it's called. Anyway. So I went on academic probation in my freshman fall. And wow. I dropped out of the fraternity pledging process because I was like, I can't do this. I can't like I just need <laughs> to recalibrate. Yeah. And then uh, that's the, good of you. That's good of you at that yeah, age. Yeah. I was like, all right, Christmas break, go home. And my parents are like, do you think you can do this? And like I was like, yeah. I mean, I just need to like make a few changes. It's gonna be fine. Like I'm just totally ignorantly confident. Like, yeah, I just need to make some slight tweaks in my life. You know, maybe like not pledge fraternity, don't go out every night, like, you know, focus on water polo and school and that is it. Period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that was just it, right? And um I go back, did exactly that. I just was either studying or playing water polo. And I did go out on like the weekends and stuff, but like during the week I wasn't partying. And I got like a 3.8 in that semester. Got awesome. like all, I got all A's and like one B plus and totally changed it around. And then played my next season of water polo and did well. It got like a you know, 3.2. It, it was like kind of, I uh, kind of like started to go out a little more i was like oh yeah i got this on lock you know like now yeah yeah i got this I can let's find this. a balance <laughs> yeah let's find a balance so i kind of like adjusted in the middle That's and funny. like meanwhile i'm taking like breath classes right which is just like basically continuation of high school like you don't decide on your major until after your second year so it's like okay. your undergrad is really like two years of like focusing on something Wow. End of fall semester, second year, I ended, that was water polo season. I came back and I stopped playing water polo my spring of my second year, division one water polo. I joined the club team, which was epic, <laughs> way more fun, not as high <laughs> intensity, not as like, you know, I practiced a couple times a week and it was, and <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Um, and I wasn't the only one. There was another six or seven guys who did the same thing as me because it's like, there's the triangle in college of like. You are playing athletics if you're an athlete, right? You have athlete, you're in school, and you have a social life. And you only can choose two. Which Mm -hmm. two do you choose, Mm -hmm. right? And I was like, well, obviously, I have to do the academics because that's what I am here for. You know, the water polo thing's nice, like, but that's not my career. Like, so that's an option. And like social Mm -hmm. life, well, I'm a talkative person. I like to party. I like to, you know, I like to have fun. And Mm -hmm. I would like that. (laughs) So those were my options. And I chose to stop playing water polo and focus on school and did that best decision I ever made, because that was also right at the time when it's like, oh, you have to choose a major at the end of the semester. Like, what are you majoring in? And I was like, well, it's not going to be dentistry. Like (laughs) that ship has sailed. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, what, like, what do I want to do? You know, like, Mm -hmm. and gradually i was like well what what am i like what am i really interested in um big like theoretical thoughts and uh ultimately it came down to like i'm interested in people because no matter what there's going to need to be like sales of some degree right people need to buy and sell things and who buys and sells things is people so like understanding people why they make the decisions they do and how you can manipulate those decisions 
that was what I was interested in, which is basically psychology and sociology and business. And so I'm like going through this and I have like a counselor to a guidance counselor to like help you formulate your major and like put you in the right programs. And they were like, I think you should do interdisciplinary studies. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to be a police officer. Like, thank you. Discipline? No, I'm not good at discipline. That was like the whole point of all this. Uh, and, and they're like, no, no, no. That's just like a, another term for like you make your own major. You basically choose uh, six to 10 concentration classes that you then write your thesis about. Like you formulate your own thesis. So I ended okay. up graduating in a, with a pseudo sales degree. I took a bunch of classes. There was a class called uh, social psychology that was offered mm-hmm. from the sociology department and the psychology department. And I took it from both departments because, and it was like two totally different courses, oh, wow. like very different perspectives on like what social psychology meant. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause sociology is all about the group experience and psychology is all about the individual experience cool. and how the individual plays into the broader group experience. Like there's cool. a lot going on there. Right. And, uh, I, it, my degree is technically the social and psychological foundations of entrepreneurship and social change. So you got to make that, that yeah. title. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Which is sick. Wait. I mean, that's a sick title, yeah. right? That's sales in a nutshell. Wait, say it again for me. The social and psychological foundations of entrepreneurship and social change. Nice. Love it, man. Yeah. Society changes, you know? Yeah. And people change. And the individual, oh. like the ego of your internal person influences the people around you and society. And yeah. so like that was, that whole thing happened. And I graduated and I had landed on pharmaceutical sales as what I wanted to do. Okay. Slightly influenced by my mother, slightly influenced by my now father-in-law and slightly influenced by my own greed. Um, right. I was like, oh, yeah, like what sales jobs make the most money and like oh, mm-hmm. pharmaceutical sales? Yeah. It's not cars. Turns out I was a decade behind. The Affordable Care Act really like knocked pharmaceutical sales at their knees. It was like the prime time to do pharmaceutical sales is like 90s and early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know, by 2014, it was like, oh, the ship has sailed. Sorry, you were you know, six years late, right? But I, I wrote my thesis on pharmaceutical advertising. And I argued that pharmaceutical ads that you see on TV are a good thing for society. And I wrote this at UC Berkeley. And my professor was like, what? Like most people at Berkeley are pretty yeah. left-leaning. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, here we go. <laughs> let's, let's go against the grain with this one. <laughs> like, it's only the biggest project of my entire yeah, academic career. I think I'll go against the grain on this one. Um, and like, it was, it was really interesting. Cause like my, my thought process, and I still believe it to this day, which is like, you take your car to a mechanic, mm-hmm. right? You don't know about your car. Most people don't know about their cars. And the mechanic says, oh, your brake pads are down to one eighth of a millimeter. Your serpentine belt is cracked or whatever, right? Like, and this is, it's going to cost you $2,000 to fix all this. And you're left with a decision of like, I don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. and I do, I, I'm not, and I'm not going to take the time to research what it all means and get an understanding before just doing it. Yeah. And that is how most people treat their physical bodies. Mm-hmm. They go to a doctor okay. and they say, I have, Hey doc, do a, a, you know, 64 point assessment on me. <laughs> the doc does all their things and they run blood work and they go, okay, you're, you know, cholesterol is high, your lipid high, you're like, 
you're basically fat, you need to eat better and you're out of shape and you need to work out. Mm-hmm. You know, like pretty normal stuff like, hey, your heart has a problem or hey, maybe you have a tumor. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then, you know, people usually are like, if they think they're going to die, then they go, oh, I need to educate myself on this. And all of a sudden they become experts on the topic, right? Mm-hmm. If it's not life or death, oh, we'll just farm that out to the specialist and take whatever medication they tell me to do. And I'm not going to do too much research into it or change the way that I'm doing my life because oh, I'm not going to die. Okay. You know? Like that's kind of the thought process. And my okay. thesis was like the pharmaceutical ad starts the conversation to go to the doctor. So you see the ad and you're like, man, like, you know, you're right. Like I do have type two diabetes. I should take this medication, you know? And so you go to the doctor and you say that. Well, all of a sudden you're having conversations about type two diabetes. If you didn't see that commercial, okay. maybe you just let the diabetes go and then you do die. So like, right. or it's too late or it's too late. And yeah. ultimately it's up to you. You live with yourself every day, all day. Your doctor sees you for 15 to 30 minutes, once every six months to a year. Who's the better professional of you, right? Like just it's simple that you need to actually take the time to educate yourself of what you're putting inside of your body. Like, mm-hmm. And we have the Google machine. I get right. like when you know we had witches that were like, you know, we're doing leaching of our blood and stuff because like mm-hmm. we didn't know like you had no information accessible. Like sure, right? You know, like, anything. Yeah, you're like this person seems really confident. I guess I'll just do what they tell me. Yeah, <laughs> that was basically what it was. Now and like so now there's really yeah. no excuse. So that was my thesis, and I graduated. I like that. And I went and I leveraged my connections and Mm. I talked to four people that were all like VPs or higher. And they said, do not go into pharmaceutical sales. I was like, yeah, I was like, what? And they were like, let me just explain this to you. 2007, 100,000 pharmaceutical sales reps. 2009, 15,000 pharmaceutical sales reps nationwide. You're competing with 85,000 experienced reps for 15,000 jobs. And you're breaking into the industry. Yeah. They're not going to hire you. So I was basically told not to do pharmaceutical sales. And I was like, well, what do I do? I was just really picky about what I wanted. And I ultimately was like, you know what? I'm just going to start applying to jobs because my parents said, here's one month of living. You have $1,500. Your rent is, I think my rent was like 1200 And uh, Iris and I were sharing a one bedroom in Palo Alto and it was like 2400 so I had $1,200 there and then I had $300 of spending money for the month. And they're like, if you don't get a job by the end of that month, you don't like, you have to move home or figure like you're on your own. Good you're, for that. Like you're done. Yeah. We just paid for four years of college. You're done. I was like, okay, that's fair. So I was like, <laughs> I have to get a job. You know, but I just started <laughs> applying to jobs. It's yeah. like, all right, I like, what am I doing? I like applied to a bunch of different places. I ended up getting like doing a lot of interviews and got three offers in one month, which like good for me. Yeah, that was awesome. I had options. One of them was the job that I ended up taking, which is enterprise IT test environment and release management, which is Plutora. Knew nothing about it. They gave me a $40,000 base. 40-40 is what, yeah, so it was 80,000. usually what it is, yeah. Yeah, 40-40. And I was like, sick, 80 grand. That's good. Uh, the other one was, which is ultimately what I should have done if I really wanted to do pharmaceutical sales. It was like a medical device company 
that automated the pharmaceutical, like the actual bottling of products in the pharmacy. And uh, they're doing awesome as a company now, but they were offering me like 44,000 total on target earnings. Mm. It was like 40,000 base with like a $4,000 commission structure. And I was like, mm, it's Yikes. really low on the commission structure. Like, I don't know about this. Yeah, yeah. A year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, I was like, this is like, I, I don't, I don't love that. <laughs> and then Iris's company was offering me the most money, which was like $55,000 base or something like that with a, a, a 35 or 40,000 commission structure on it. I would have made like 85 or 90 or something like that it was like the on target. But then I would have to be working in the same office as my, my girlfriend and I was living with her and then I'd be working with her and I was like. I don't know if I really want that. And she was adamant. She did not want to be working with me. Why did you even like interview? Because I was like, if I needed it, if I needed it, I would have taken it. And they were like begging me to join. They were like, we love this guy. He is great. We want him. And I was like, you know, I have these other two options. And I eh, like, I felt wanted and it felt great. And I was like, that's, this is fantastic. And I ended up, ended up choosing the enterprise IT test environment release management software great like five people in the office there was an australian based company bootstrapped didn't know what any of these things meant but that was like you know it was a risk it's a huge risk like i didn't i knew nothing about this company and nothing about, like the other company had like y combinator backing ended up getting an exit to uh facebook for oh, it. like wow. you know they were doing yeah. gigia it was a single sign on you know, like mm. you know you know it's like log in with google log in mm. with facebook log- that what that's their software, their platform. It's still purchased. and yeah, Facebook purchased it and now it, like yeah. Anyway, yeah, that would have been selling that like login with Facebook credentials, easy money. Easy. Anyway, I um and I chose to not do that. So great choice, Preston. Um, <laughs> I worked at at Plutora and I was there for like six months. So no, I was there for eight months or something like that eight or nine. And then Iris's little sister got into UCLA and we were in Palo Alto. And so we decided let's move down to Los Angeles so that we can be closer to her sister. Iris Mm. was wanting to change out of the sales. She didn't like sales. She was like, Mm. I'm going to like marketing. And so she got a marketing job for a, uh, the ex Magento founders actually. Um, and they were based in Los Angeles. And so she was working remote for a little bit up in the, in Palo Alto which inspired me to then ask my job if I could swing remote in Los Angeles. And they were like, yeah, like, sure. We'll do a test run for three months. And I was like, okay. Mm. And I'm packing up my U-Haul in Palo Alto to drive to Los Angeles. And I get a call from a recruiter saying, Hey, there's a software company in Los Angeles was wondering if you'd be open to relocating and interviewing at this job. And I was like, I'm packing my U-Haul to Los Angeles right now. And he thought I was kidding. And I was like, no, no, I'm serious. Like, I'm literally shutting it right now. And I am about to drive down there. So why don't you give me a call in a week? Let me get settled. And he was like, all right. That's amazing. Calls calls me a week later. And I was like, Like, you know, I didn't really want this job. I was like, I'm locked in. I've I've got a job. I don't need this. What am I doing this for? God, you just got jobs just like being thrown at you everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got this. And so he... And he goes, why don't you, like, the base was 10K higher. And I was like, uh, you know, it was flow cast, right? It was 50,000 base, 70,000 OT or something like that. And I was like, all right, $10,000 base more. Like, that's nice. 
I had learned that commissions aren't always guaranteed, right? Right. Uh, but yeah. I was I was hitting my targets, but I was like, wow, like I could see how this might like not go my way one month, and then all mm. of a sudden, like I would much rather have a higher base salary. And so right. I was like, all right, I want this. I want this larger base, 10k base. It's all interview. I was like, accounting. I was like, workflow automation. I had to like Google what does workflow mean. I, I, like I, this is how junior I was. I was just I had no oh, idea. Okay. I was like, it's like what is a workflow? Like I was like, wait, <laughs> you mean just like what the people actually are doing? Like in the way that they go about it? Like why did we make that more complicated and give it a buzzword of a workflow? Like right, you have to uh, have a word for yeah, that. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just like this is ridiculous. Anyway, so I go in and I did the interview at Flowcast and it was a ridiculous interview because I just didn't need the job. And so I was overly bombastic in, in the interview. I made some risque jokes and ultimately they offered me the job and I sat and thought about it for a little bit and I ended up taking the job. Best decision I ever made. That was where like really where my learning started of mm -hmm. like the before that Plutora was basically like I learned how to use HubSpot and Salesforce. We had two CRMs, one for marketing, but like, you know, they basically made Dude, me I hear that. I still I hear like, that often. Why am I using HubSpot and Salesforce? Like, I don't know, whatever. All I knew is make a hundred calls a day. That was all I knew. That was nice. like, make Come phone on. calls, talk to people, book meetings. That was it. Flowcast was the same deal, but with different systems and different processes and whatever. And I just annihilate that job i wish today that someone would pay me four hundred thousand dollars to be a, a sdr i would crush that i would book them more meetings than anybody possible if all i had to do was make phone calls and have marketing emails sent out for me and just call those people mm -hmm. that's all i did and set up mm -hmm. meetings for other people oh my god i could just i would yeah. book 10 meetings a day definitely like, growing like, like that that job is definitely growing but it's definitely not like the most luc lucrative sales job you'll find yeah and the people that can crush that though yeah it's so it's like the hardest part it's also the most important so part and though. like yeah. yeah but like i could go in with flowcast i'd go and i knew exactly what i was going to do yep. in my day and i would go and i'd make my calls i'd send my emails i'd write my follow-ups send out my calendar invites go to yoga like i was doing my thing you know crushed it and yeah. got rewarded with a promotion to an account executive pretty quickly and then we got our series a and no we got our series a and then i got my promotion and then it was all like grew really quickly anyway yeah. so i did that for almost four years and then kind of plateaued in my learning my at the time the sales manager was like my mentor and he was the one really training me on everything when he left there was like a void for me and nobody really like took the mantle and they kind of looked to me to like know what I was doing and I was like no no no, I'm still mm -hmm. learning like I remember I didn't know what a workflow was like <laughs> come on like <laughs> I don't know like I knew enough to be dangerous but I didn't know I wasn't confident really I was still mm -hmm. trying to figure it out and so I kind of idled for a while for like three or four months six months actually. And, uh, I was like, okay, I, I think I should leave and go do something new. And one of my coworkers at the time, when I was talking to him about it, had been hit up by an, a recruiter for a company called Shiphawk, but mm -hmm. he was like, I think you should talk to him. I was like, all right, I'll talk to him. And I drove up to Santa Barbara. I actually closed a deal on the drive, which was kind of fun. I was like, sick. Yeah. Got here for my interview. And, uh, you know, I don't need this job and, uh, closed a deal just now actually. So you know, I'm super desirable. <laughs> and they were just like, oh, this is, this guy's great. And it was a remote job. This is like, that. this is 29, April, 2019. Yeah. 
So, mm. uh, you know, it's a remote role. I was like, oh, you know, I'd love to get to know what a remote job is like. It's kind of, the, it's going to be the future anyway. It, like, this was like, what foresight did I have there? I should have just right. thrown all my money into Zoom. And anyway, the uh, long story short on it was like, okay. And Flowcast, by the way, got me out of student loan debt, bought a car, I bought my wife a wedding ring. I, you know, like, I made money there, right? Like, I did yeah. my, did my like i got my chops cut my teeth and i made money in the process yeah win-win um and then i went to shiphawk and worked remote for a year there basically like pivoted as a company after like five or six years and then we're like a year or two into that pivot when they hired me and Mm -hmm. i was like their third sales rep third account executive something like that and mm-hmm. they hired like four of four people at that time. They had two before and then they hired me and then they hired three more people over the next like month or two. And so we had like this hiring class of four people and just none of us were successful. None of the four, like we all ended up leaving within a year. Mm-hmm. And I was the last one to go actually because COVID hit and it was April, 2020 and they cut half of the whole company. So it wasn't even because of like my performance or anything. They mm-hmm. just had they were like we don't have the money to to. pay you and i was there was me and one of the other reps were the highest paid base salary wise and Mm. so they were like we're gonna cut you the other guy was our top performer by a Mm. a margin by like 30 percent or more like he was making (laughs) way more money and they cut us because we cost more and they needed to save money everywhere yeah they cut a bunch of developers uh that were in santa barbara and get this they reinvested that money into developers in ukraine which we had a ukrainian office and that was like their whole thing right it was cow. like ukraine yeah yeah and so like this yeah it's a whole thing man but they did wow. that and i was on unemployment for two months and then another recruiter hit me up about a job at trinet and i was mm-hmm. like i'm not interested in this i do not like hr and payroll or benefits or anything like that. I'm interested in life sciences. That's what I want to do. And they said, well, we have this life sciences role. I was like, what? Your HR payroll. They're like, yeah, but you get to work with life sciences companies. It's like, okay. So I interviewed there, had the job, great job. Honestly, if it wasn't for COVID and the fact that health insurance, it taught me a lot about health insurance and Shiphawk taught me a lot about shipping and fulfillment. Flowcast taught me a lot about accounting and audit and SOX compliance and a little bit about FPNA, but mostly about accounting and SOX compliance. Mm-hmm. And I learned about IT test environment and release management in terms of like what tools are used and how it's, it goes from like ideation to actually production and then maintenance of that code being released and like kind of some of the IT side of it all. So I had like these pieces of a, of a business puzzle being put together. And then I went into HR, payroll, benefits, and workers comp. And if it wasn't for COVID, where nobody's no health insurance companies want to you know provide health insurance to anybody because <laughs> they're just constantly getting claims pulled against them for covid related mm-hmm. costs mm-hmm. so every i would get somebody to be like yeah i want to i want a quote and i would love to do your payroll services and everything i want the full boat great i'd send it in we'd get denied and so my own team was blocking me from selling deals and i was like this sucks i like yeah. nobody's making money nobody's making quota half of the sales team left and I got, and I was like, I'm just going to ride this thing out and see what happens. And then I got another recruiter hit me up and said, Hey, there's this company. We want you to come and be the first 
like start a new business line for us and full body MRI scans for early cancer detection. I was like, God, that's a mission I can get behind. Interesting. I don't know anything about this product. Does it work? Who knows? I'll find out. It's a startup. The guy's mm-hmm. already had a successful exit as the CEO at another company using AI and AI software. I was like, so he's got to be smart to some degree. Went there and worked there for a month, went and got married, took that month off, which I told them about all this yeah. and they were totally fine with it. And they, it, I told them to hire me after I got back from getting married and they said, no, we want you earlier. And so I, whatever, all right, I'll do it. Came back from getting married. Everything's good. I'm starting to like get some traction, building literally everything out, working with lawyers to build contracts. Like it mm-hmm. was, there was no infrastructure and no support. And I told them in the hiring process that I needed to have a structure of five people around me, like a BDR, uh, an account executive, somebody to work in marketing. Uh, I needed somebody to work in customer success. And then it would be me basically. So it'd be like mm-hmm. five person structure. Mm-hmm. I was like, I need that. That's what I need. And they said, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll let you hire those people. Great. So two months after getting back, I was like, hey, I need to, I need to hire a BDR first. Can mm-hmm. I write a job description? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Write the job description. Wrote the job description, sent it to my manager. And I was like, here, I'm, I'm ready. Like, let's do this. And she's like, oh, like, let's, we need to wait a month. I was like, okay, why? And they're like, we just need to, we need like, we're thinking in the next three to six months, we're going to be getting our series B. So like, let's get a customer or two first, and then we'll build out the rest of the team. And I was like, that's fair. You know, we had one customer and I was like, all right. So I'm in this, like trying to get some customers and I have a pipeline built and I'm like at the end stages with three clients, uh, like for, we're talking like $20,000 each Mm -hmm. right like sixty thousand dollars of pipeline we're in contracting phase the main business line is direct to consumer was 95 percent of our of our revenue Mm -hmm. and there was a physician's channel which was like four percent of our revenue and then there was me at one percent of our revenue (laughs) and that 95 percent missed targets in september and so it was like uh uh-oh we missed targets we can't miss targets that we're going out for a series round of funding. And so we kind of like took a pause the next month, October missed again. And I was like, uh Oh, geez changes so fast. Yeah. Now all of a sudden we need to cut costs. So they cut me and the CEO said, I should have seen this coming because I needed to give my attention to you and I don't have the time to do it. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. We're going to give you eight weeks of severance and let you go it's just like otherwise you're just going to keep doing what you're doing and, and like pounding your head against the wall mm-hmm. and we're not going to let you hire anybody and i was like okay and he was like yeah i made a mistake i'm sorry yeah i like got the apology he's like you can say that you work here for as long as you want we're mm-hmm. like we are so sorry nothing else that we can do all right mm-hmm. that's good so put me through to the new year right and i was like all right i'm gonna interview i had taken an, an interview like casually because a friend of mine from trinet had referred me and i was like i'm not interested in your role i'm loving my new job things are like they're kind of rocky but like you know i'm enjoying it and i'm i have this opportunity in front of me Mm -hmm. and so i take the call interviewed there and i was like hey you know this all sounds good company sounds great i'm not interested in moving but i'll let you know if anything changes because things change quickly thank you you no worries a month later this happens i called the recruiter back and said hey things changed i'm ready 
And she was like, okay. And gets on the phone and said, what happened? I gave her the story of like this, like, yeah. I mean, that's honestly, it's just like shit happens. It's the business. It it's just yeah. things happen out of yeah. my control. I can't be upset about that. I know that I'm great at what I do. And anyway, so the, uh, and she goes, okay, well, uh, you know, there's this marketing role that I'm interested in putting in for. And I said, all of my backgrounds in finance, I've worked in IT test environment release management for a little bit as a BDR. The bulk of my experience is in accounting and finance. That's where I feel most comfortable. That's my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I know a lot about shipping and fulfillment. I know a lot about HR, payroll, benefits, workers comp. And then I know about full body MRI scans, which are not really like applicable to a business. But anyway, there's those four pieces <laughs> that are like really valuable, right? And like if you're selling a physical product, you're shipping and fulfilling the cost of goods sold is going to be a major line item on your PL. So anyway, mm -hmm. I know a lot about the accounting side of it. And then HR, like number one and two costs to a company is people and benefits. Mm -hmm. HR, payroll, benefits, workers comp, things like that. Like how to attract and retain talent. Like that's a very like as a finance person right now, like that's one of the hardest things, right? digital finance talent. Anyway, the whole thing, I was like, I, I just want to go back into finance because that's my comfort zone right now. Uh, lo and behold, there's a finance roll up. Perfect. And now I'm here. That's incredible, dude. So it's just like. I like how you kind of like helped her do her job a little bit. Like, hey, here, let me connect the dots. Yeah, yeah. A little. I did the same thing at Trinet too. I mean, like mm -hmm. where I was like, I want to work in life sciences, which is what I wanted. But like. That's good. And I and and it ended up I ended up doing it. I ended up working at a full body MRI cancer screening company. That was yeah. what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted <laughs> it. I got it. And then it was just taken out from under me. And I was like, oh no. Oh yeah. no. It's terrible. Worst yeah. thing possible. But it would have know, been fun, it, fun to see be like, like a manager and go hire people. Yeah. I I think I would have like that job would have been so cool. You have an interesting career and it's funny that like you've definitely had the You've had the benefit of having offers, having options, and like having a recruiter reach out, you know? Yeah. Um, which like you only get with experience eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, uh, like after that first job, like I got, yeah, I was yeah. lucky enough to get offers on my first job. Yeah. And then, and those were all like, that was the only time I've ever submitted a resume and then <laughs> got a response and went and interviewed and wow. got a job offer was my first job ever other than that it's been recruiter or somebody that i know referring yeah in. yeah it's the way to do it like it's the only way to get a job it's all yeah. about who you know yeah you're fearless right <laughs> i like do not fear failing yeah yeah exactly you just that's what i see it as <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um that was awesome man it was good to chat with you that was a good way to end it <laughs> later man Thanks for joining Work Stuff. Can you see my screen? No, I don't think so, cause it's just for listening. I'm the guy who brings up work stuff at parties. My name is Andy, and I thank you for joining me. Work Stuff, a podcast. Professional stories casually told on Work Stuff.